Well, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and uh, access those. We're going to be in Colossians 3 today. If you're unfamiliar with uh, looking up Scripture, most of the Scripture we'll look at today will be on the screen behind me as well. So uh, as been mentioned, we're pers- uh, continuing this series on pursuing peace in our lives. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we kind of set this framework uh, of how we do that. And it came out of Psalms 34, uh, 14, and it tells us, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. That it's actually part of how we live in this life, that we pursue peace, that we go after it. We we struggle, we strive for it, we desire it. It becomes something that we crave in our life, uh, uh, this craving that we can't feel in any other way besides when we have peace in our life. And this concept of pursuing peace is foundational in our lives. Without it, everything seems to fall apart. And we've talked about different ways that we've seen that. Last week I talked about, you know, that I just can't go to bed at night until everybody's home, until I know if you're coming home, that you're home. And another time that I can think of that peace just like kind of gets the rug ripped out from under me is when somebody comes up to me or sends me a text and says this, hey, I'd love to talk to you about something. And I'm like, oh, what? like, why don't we just talk now? No, 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 no. Like, call me this week. We'll, we'll talk. And I'm like, like, immediately, like, your mind just starts racing, right? To like, oh, my gosh, what have I done to this person? What does this person have to say? Like, what's going on? Like, you're just every bad possibility starts to show up. And you, you text them back, and you're, like, trying to get a little information, like, great, you know, is there any way I can be praying for this conversation or something like that just to kind of get a feel? And then you get together and it's like, you know, something very simple, just like, hey, I was just wanted to grab lunch with you. And I was like, why didn't you say that instead of let's talk? Like, let's talk seems like there's just something that's not right and our peace is gone. And uh, that's why we talk about pursuing peace. But pursuing peace is not God tapping us on our shoulder occasionally and saying, we need to talk. And we're like, oh my gosh, what what did I do this time? So and it's not like us trying to make things right with God. Pursuing peace is not us trying to make a way to God. God has already done that. God has already made a way to us. God has already, as we sung about and talked about, God has already made peace for us. What peace is, is actually coming to peace with the idea that trusting the ways of God are right, holy, and just and they are all that we need. Pursuing peace is coming to peace with the idea that there is a good and gracious God, and he wants good and gracious things for me. And that's a great truth to live by. It's something we can start to meditate on, something we can start to think about. But what I love about our God and what I love about Christ and what I love about his word is it doesn't just tell us to do sometimes. He gives us ways that we do this in our life, ways that we grab on to peace. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about these anchor points in our life that we can kind of hook ourselves into. It's going to give us safety. It's going to allow us to hold on to peace no matter what struggle, what trial, what tribulation, what circumstance, good or bad, come our way. In the last two weeks, we've talked about the first one, which was self-control, being able to understand that I can give up control of myself very easy to things like worry and guilt and bitterness. And last week, we talked about honesty and how we hook into honesty. And even in our groups this week, we talked about how we can easily fool ourselves or how we can use our words and deeds to 
try to deceive other people or to to lie to create outcomes and we we detach ourselves from honesty and how honesty is actually is not just the best policy honesty is our biggest defender in life and what brings peace into our lives and so we've got these two anchor points that we're tied to already self-control and honesty and today we talk about a third one and the third anchor point as we talk about today is forgiveness forgiveness this week, as we talk about this anchor point of maintaining peace in our lives through the concept of forgiveness, I want to just say this topic is not something we actually like to talk about much. E- even as I was trying to figure out how to introduce this topic, I like rewrote this introduction six or seven times. I was like, no, that's not really how I feel. No, it's not. That doesn't sum it up either. And I was just struggling with how do we even bring up this conversation? I, I like to think that I know what forgiveness is. I like to think that I'm a person of forgiveness, that I'm willing to express forgiveness as much as I'm willing to experience it. But the truth is the concept of forgiveness is not simple. It's not straightforward. Like it sounds good. Just forgive. All right. But that's hard. Like that's not natural. And this is because we often live out of a spirit of unforgiveness. And we think avoidance is forgiveness. I'll just, I'll just avoid this person. I'll just try to avoid these feelings, and that's forgiveness. Out of sight, out of mind. But that's not forgiveness. This is why I think we struggle to talk about this, because you're like, no, 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 I've set those things aside. I've set them way back in the back closet of my life. I've locked the door, and I really don't want to open it. But the truth is, they're still there. They're not gone. It's not empty. Unforgiveness is kind of like a pebble in our shoe. It just doesn't feel right. It throws off your walk. It's constantly there. It keeps reminding you of who hurt you or who you hurt. It just nags at us. And, and when we're out taking a hike or walking in the street, we can take off our shoe and shake out that pebble and get rid of it. But these spiritual pebbles aren't as easy to get rid of as actual pebbles. And that's because it requires not just a action, it requires a transformation of life. A transformation in how we think, a perspective shift, a new view of the world and how things operate. This pebble of unforgiveness usually causes us to lose peace in our lives for one of two reasons. And William mentioned these earlier. It starts with this. We lose peace when we have an unwillingness to express forgiveness. Somebody hurts us, right? Somebody did something wrong to me, caused me pain and suffering. And my heart was broken. My trust was shattered. My hope was stolen from me. And while I may have worked past getting past this pain, I have not come to the point yet that I'm able to actually forgive that person. Every time I see them, or even when their name is brought up, my spirit gets uneasy, my temper starts to rise, my face gets flush with anger. And it's just, I can, as soon as that name, or as soon as that incident is brought up, that door that I've hidden all this stuff behind just comes flying open. And these feelings are there that I've tried to repress. Maybe I know I should forgive, but I don't want to. I want them to feel the same pain that I felt. I want them to understand what they did to me. I want them to hurt because of the they first hurt me. I don't know if any of you guys watch This Is Us. If you do, I'm not going to ruin. Like I haven't, I have not seen the latest episode. I'm still in season one. I'm way behind. But like Katie and I just watched the episode where uh, Randall finds out that his mom knew his birth dad 
if you've never watched This Is Us, you'd like a horrible illustration. But anyway, he basically finds out that his mom lied to him for 30 plus years. And even though he could rationalize maybe why she did it, it still hurt. And I remember he, he said a line as I was watching this week. He says, I want her to feel the pain that I felt. And that's what unforgiveness, when we are unwilling to forgive, it is this idea that the way that I get peace is by causing you to feel the pain that you caused me. And if you've ever actually lived that out, if you've actually ever dealt retribution to someone, you've extracted revenge on someone, you find that it is an empty God. That it just doesn't bring peace. Maybe you feel content and that they are getting what they deserve, but it really doesn't soothe the bitterness and anger and hatred in your life. It's the pebble is still there. But also, secondly, we lose our peace when we feel unworthy to experience forgiveness. I did something wrong. I did something hurtful to someone that was very close to me. I just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. I can't get past this. I can't say I'm sorry enough, even though they've said it's okay. I forgive you. I feel unworthy, and it makes me feel inadequate and completely broken. How can someone forgive somebody like me? I'm a a loser. And that's a pebble in our shoe. We walk around and think that one day, maybe, I can earn my way back into their good graces. Even though they've already said, you're forgiven, it's okay, we still feel like we are deficient in the relationship. They're immediately going to, something goes wrong again, they're immediately going to hold this over. We start thinking that, and it and it kills that relationship. Can I tell you, if you feel like you're always deficient, you can never do something to make yourself feel adequate again. When, when you cause pain to someone, the only thing that soothes that is true forgiveness. I can't make it up. I can't take it away. I can't even make it right. I can try. I can do things. There are ways that I need to, to bring healing, but true healing comes when I'm willing to receive forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I don't know which one of these you struggle with the most. Maybe you struggle with both of them at specific times or in specific relationships. Maybe you're unwilling to forgive a spouse who broke your trust, or maybe you're unwilling to forgive a friend who took advantage of your relationship, or maybe you failed your children and you can't find a a way to receive forgiveness, or maybe you were the one that abandoned a friend and are unwilling to believe that they can forgive you and restore you. And here's the deal. These pebbles in our shoes, if we let them stay there over time, if we don't deal with them, if we don't allow forgiveness to come in, these pebbles turn into stones. And these stones turn into boulders. They become the ball and chain of our life. And they anchor us to one place and one person. We cease to be able to change. We, we become defined by what this person did to us or what I did to this person and these pebbles They hijack our life and they cause us to just stop and to be still and never be able to move forward. And eventually you get to a point where that gets hooked into your life and something else happens and you just kind of get thrown over and they cause you to sink deeper and deeper and deeper until we can get rid of these. And this is why forgiveness is such a key anchor point to our peace. 
Embracing forgiveness anchors us not to these stones, not to these pebbles, but it anchors us to the hope and healing of Christ instead of the guilt and shame of unforgiveness. It is our lifeline instead of a death grip. So how do we overcome these pebbles, these stones of unforgiveness in our life and instead anchor ourselves to the hope of Christ through forgiveness? And it starts by actually understanding what forgiveness is. I could stand here and tell you, just go forgive. You should do it. Jesus commands it. Just go and do it. Suck up the pain. Get over it. Get over your feelings and just forgive. But forgiveness isn't something that we just do or say. It'd be nice if it was. It'd be nice if those words were all that it took for me to actually feel forgiveness or receive forgiveness. Just when somebody comes to me and say, I forgive you, but we keep that but often in the back of our minds. I forgive you, but you had better never do this again. I forgive you, but you owe me big time. I forgive you, but, and we just keep adding on. Or so we come to somebody and they say, you know, I forgive you, Patrick. But in my mind, I'm saying, but I, you know, I don't know that I can really believe that. But I don't know that I'm worthy to receive that. But there's something I still have to do. And so forgiveness is not just something we do or say. It's not. When the topic of forgiveness often comes up in our church, there's a passage of scripture that seems to get thrown out there very often. And when taught wrong, it actually brings confusion even more than clarity. However, these words of Jesus are actually hopeful words, not judgmental words. They went on the screen. It's this Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Wow, that's sometimes like dropped in our life like a bomb, isn't it? Like boom. Like what? You're not willing to forgive? Guess what? God doesn't forgive you anymore. Like we just, we get that little excited shaker. I mean, somebody like drops this holy hand grenade in our life. And like all of a sudden that hand grenade exposed with guilt, shame, and fear, right? Like, oh my gosh, I guess I better forgive this person. I got to suck it up and get over it. And we start to feel, you know, guilty that I can't forgive someone. I feel shameful that maybe God doesn't love me enough to forgive me anymore. And I feel fear that I have lost the hope I had in Christ. And when that story is just dropped on us, that verse is just dropped into our lives, and it seems condemnation has come our way. It seems judgment has come our way. If I could just forgive, then I'd be back in God's good graces. But the pain's too much. The bitterness I feel is too overwhelming. The price I have to pay is too substantial. Maybe it'd be right to forgive, but I can't, even with this. But the truth is, this verse you look at where it was written, it was actually written right after Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount. It's right in the heart of one of his main teachings. And he had just taught those that were listening to him how to pray. And many that we know it as the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And as he was praying this, one of the lines of Our, our Father is what? Let it forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against you. So he had just said that, and then he closes with this, and it's basically this picture. If I can't forgive, then God won't forgive. Like, this is not, that's not the picture. It's actually the exact opposite. The verse isn't about God's judgment. It's about the power of his forgiveness. It's this idea that God's forgiveness flows through our life. That for me to actually be able to express forgiveness, 
means that I have to receive forgiveness from God. It is not up to me to generate the power of forgiveness in my life. I don't know if you, growing up as a kid, I don't know if you had this experience. We, in our backyard, we had a water hose. And, uh, you know, it was hooked in, and it would be a hot day in Georgia, and we would take that water hose out, and we'd just start spraying people with it, and people would be drinking out of the water hose. And somebody would, like, sneak over to part of the hose, and they would, like, crimp it up, right? And the water would cut off. And so somebody's, like, drinking, and all of a sudden the water just stops. And they're like, you know, as a little seven-year-old, you're like, what magic is this? What happened, you know? And you're staring at it, and then what do you do? You let go of it, and it's like, right back in their face. And and this is what this verse literally is talking about with forgiveness. He says, you and I are basically the hose. The, the water flows from God. Forgiveness flows from God through our life and eventually out into other people. And when we cut it off, when we crimp it, and we stop letting it flow out, Guess what? We start losing the impact of God's forgiveness in our life as well. We start losing the peace of his forgiveness. It is designed to flow. It's designed to be opened up. And this is why Jesus was teaching this at this moment. He's like, look, I just told you, ask God to forgive you, but you also have to forgive others. That's the prayer. That's the natural way of doing it. But if you crimp it up, you're not going to be, you're not forgiving other people, but you're not going to feel like you're forgiven either. It's going to feel like it goes away. Guilt and shame are going to start bubbling up in your life. So this is actually a pathway to freedom, not to judgment. This is how we get rid of the pebble in our shoe. If you're struggling to forgive someone or to forgive yourself, remember that you are not the source of forgiveness. It isn't something that you have to find in your life. It is something that is given to you to be given to others. It's a flow. Forgiveness is never intended to be terminated on yourself. The forgiveness I receive from God, the work of that forgiveness is not done in my life. It flows through me and out to other people. That's the work of forgiveness. It flows. And when we cut off either end because we're either unwilling or we feel unworthy to let it, it stops and peace vanishes and guilt replaces grace as our focus. So if forgiveness isn't something that we can just do or say, then what is it? If it's supposed to flow through our life, then forgiveness is actually something that is grown in our life. It's actually something that develops in our life. It takes cultivation over time. It is this intentional and and continual care. It is given to us as a gift from our creator, and it is planted in the very core of our hearts. William mentioned earlier, that, or Steve mentioned earlier, that we have eternity in our hearts. And this is one of those places where we understand when we receive the true forgiveness from God, it brings peace that passes understanding, a peace that nothing in this world can supply. And when we experience that, we understand God has planted forgiveness in the very core of our hearts. It's watered by the mercy of God. It is protected by the grace of Christ, and it bears fruit by the wisdom of the Spirit. Our role is simply not to deter it or to, or to stop it, but to let it grow and partake of the fruits in our life. And so this is what I want us to talk about in the remainder of time, is how do we actually let this grow? How do we grow forgiveness? And this passage in Colossians talks about this. And I want to use an image this morning that helps us understand that it's the image of a tree. I'm not a gardener. I've never really planted much. 
Uh, but I haven't a couple of times been around people who have either cut down trees or like try to pull up stumps from trees and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, trees are not, I think we all know this, trees are not just what you see, right? They, are, they have this root, deep, deep root system. And it's able to be a tree. It's able to stand up. It's able to grow tall and bear fruit because of all of these things working together. The roots and the trunk and the branches all play these parts. And this is the image I want to talk to us about today, about how we allow forgiveness to grow into our life. Because just like anything else that's going to grow, the true strength begins with the roots, with what's underneath. And these verses in Colossians 3 through 12 talk about these roots that need to be in our life. Let's go back and look at these Colossians 3, 12 and 13. It says this, put on then as God's chosen and holy and beloved. Here Here are the roots, compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then we can bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Verse 12 here lays out the roots of forgiveness. And when they are present in our lives, it makes verse 13 possible to actually bear with one another, to forgive one another, to to often do the work of forgiveness. But here's what we try to do. Oftentimes we try to do 13, verse 13, of actually forgiving without cultivating the roots in verse 12. So I want to take a quick look at each of these roots right quick. The first one is this, compassion. It says that we should have compassionate hearts. What is compassion? Compassion is actually a desire for the well-being of other people. That I want their well-being. There is no way that I'll be able to grow forgiveness in my life if I don't actually desire the well-being of other people and have compassion in my heart. Compassion comes when I see everyone as God's creation. That there is no one that deserves forgiveness more than anyone else, or there's no one that doesn't deserve forgiveness. There's no levels of sinners. There's no distinction in the eyes of God, nor should there be in our eyes. And it starts with the compassion. We have to have that first root of compassion. He says there's another root, and it's the the root of kindness. So not do do we just desire the well-being of others, but kindness is not us just being nice to other people or even accommodating the people that we don't like. It's actually working for the good of other people. That's what kindness is. Compassion is a desire for the goodness of other people, where kindness is we're actually working for the good of other people. Working for the good of others is actually at the core of forgiveness. Kindness doesn't really take its full meaning until I have to, until it has to be expressed to those that have hurt you deeply, those that have poured out wrath into your life or malice or slander upon you. Kindness is one of the most powerful roots in our life when even we want good for those that have brought us pain or even when we want good for my life when I have brought others pain. Some of us need to learn not just to be kind to others. Some of us need to learn to show kindness to ourselves and understand that God wants good for me. My life is not a constant punishment underneath the wrath of God. We need to express kindness. The third thing verse 12 tells us is this. The third root is the root of humility, that we need to be humble. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but instead it's ability not to think higher of yourself than others. Humility is ability to respect people no matter their station in life or no matter their story in life. 
we can't forgive someone if we don't see value in them. Humility is the ability to actually see value and respect in each person. And it's also the ability, humility is to recognize that I don't know everything. I don't know everybody's background. I don't know everybody's story. Maybe there's a reason that I was hurt this way. Maybe there's a reason that this person reacted this way in my life. And instead of just cutting them off, the idea is to work through it with them. That's humility. It's that hurt. But I want to know why you're feeling the need to do that. That If you look around this room, there are people from every walk of life here. There are people from different ethnic backgrounds, different experiences in our culture, different world experiences, different family experiences. And for you to say, well, you know, well, my family just didn't act like that. Well, guess what? Your family didn't act like their family or their family. Everybody's got a different experience. And humility says my experience isn't better. It's just different. And if I can humble myself and try to start to see things from other people's perspective, it gives the power of humility. Humility finds value in all people instead of finding fault in them. And then the fourth root that it mentions here is meekness. And as much as meekness sounds like weakness, it's not. We've, we've talked about this before uh, many times in church. Meekness is actually a very powerful ter- term. It means power under control. And it's when you it's when you and I have the ability to use our power when we can withhold forgiveness and we can pronounce judgment, and yet we refrain from doing it. When somebody does something wrong to me, and I have every right, as this world says, to just pronounce judgment and withhold my forgiveness, and people are speaking into my ear, like, oh, you shouldn't forgive that person. Cut off ties with that person. Just get that person out of your life. Meekness says, no. No. It's not what God did to me. It's not the way that grace was poured into my life. Not even the way maybe other people have treated me. And so I can't do that, even though everybody's telling me I have the right to. Meekness is actually the fuel of forgiveness. Meekness doesn't let everybody know when you're right and when others are wrong. Meekness expresses forgiveness to others in such a way as to bring hope and healing. The last root is this, and it's the root of patience. It says in verse 12, patience isn't about waiting or enduring of like, all right, I'm just waiting for this person to forgive me, or I've told that person I forgive them. We'll just see what happens. This root of forgiveness of patience is instead about the ability, and this is a hard one, to continually offer forgiveness, even if that person hasn't asked for it, or even if they just keep hurting you. Just keep coming back. Patience is the anchor root of forgiveness. It must run deep into our lives. And I do want to be clear here. Just because somebody hurts you and they continue to hurt you, we're called to forgive, but that doesn't mean that we have to always be reconciled completely. And somebody who just keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you, you may need to separate from. But forgiveness, the ability to forgive them, releases them, but it also releases you from the bitterness and the pain. So I'm not saying, hey, have every unhealthy influence in your life. Somebody just, there's times we do need to separate. But that does not mean that we are separated from our ability to be patient and forgive. You know, if you, patience being this anchor, and without it, we'll give up. We'll cut off the tree, the branches, and the fruit of forgiveness. 
and we'll run out of patience. God's patience, thank God, literally, never runs out on us. And his patience is available for all time and for all things. One of the jobs I had growing up at home, one of the chores I had, which I think is why I hate yard work so much. My my brother was older than me, and he got to use all the cool yard tools like the lawnmower and the chainsaw and all that kind of stuff. And my dad, I was three years younger than my brother, he was like, go pick weeds. And I'm like, what? Like, that just, James are like, Rawr! And I'm like, well, you know, like, picking weeds, fun. But I did learn something. Like, these weeds, man, those those roots run deep. Like, you try to, this little thing above the ground, you start pulling it out, and like, where is this? Like, it goes to the center of the earth. And my dad's like, make sure you get the whole root or don't grow back. And I'm like, so I'm like working on one weed. And my dad's like, all right, move on. Just keep, keep going. But they just run deep. And that's the way patience ought to run in our life. Just the patience to be like, you know what? I forgive. That will be my first response. And once these roots are there, then out of these strengths grow the core of the tree, which is the trunk, the part that supports everything else, that there would be no branches, no fruit without the trunk. And the next verse in Colossians shared with us what this trunk of forgiveness is actually made of. Look at verse 14. It says this, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The trunk of our forgiveness is love. Love. Without love, everything falls apart. While the simplicity of this is profound, the ability to let love control our lives and to help us dispense forgiveness is not as simple. But again, we often try to love without allowing the roots to take hold in our life, and we get this backwards. We're like, all right, I'll love this person, and then out of love, maybe I'll start to feel compassion for them. I'll start to feel kindness. I'll be humble. I'll exercise meekness and patience. But love actually grows out of these things. It grows out of the ability. It is a product of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Love without roots is like a log. That we have to carry around this burden for no reason. You ever felt that way? Like, I just got to love this person. But you're not connected to compassion and kindness and meekness. And God is saying here, Paul is teaching here, he's like, Plug this in. This love grows out of this. Love is a product. It's not this log we have to carry around. Love then, once it is rooted in these things, begins to produce branches that can unfold and provide a canopy of protection and peace in the midst of trials and turmoil in our life. Love produces fruit that brings joy and unity back into relationship. Love grows wide and strong and gives us the strength needed to endure even the most painful hurts and betrayals. Love gives birth to the fruit of forgiveness. And that's where the next verses talk about. It's like this idea that it's not just these roots to grow this trunk, that eventually this is going to produce fruit of forgiveness in our life. And it's not just my ability to forgive, but it's my ability to experience the fullness of forgiveness. Look at verses 15 and 17, and they say this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with the thankfulness in your hearts of God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are the fruits of forgiveness. Allowing forgiveness to grow in our life doesn't just bring right to where wrong was, but it brings healing to relationships that were broken. It begins to redeem the pain we experience. It begins to restore to us a right relationship with God and with others. And here are those fruits. Peace. Right? It brings back stability. When I can forgive and I can let go of pain or I can receive forgiveness, it brings back stability in our life. It cleans up the relational debris of our life. And then it brings gratitude. I start to find things that I can be grateful for rather than things to be upset about. Pain isn't an end, but a tool to be used for growth. Sinfulness of others or ourselves become a way of God's grace to shine. We become grateful. The third thing, the fruit is that of wisdom, right? Wisdom is we start to see the deeper meanings of things rather than just how we feel. We find growth and challenges, deeper intimacy with others through trials, and then we experience worship. We start to surrender to God more and more as we see the truth of his promises and the fruit of his presence in our life. The hurt we experience is healed, and we worship. And then out of that worship, we experience the fruit of obedience, Right? We trust, our trust level in God has expanded like never before. We obey things we never thought that we could, and we become more faithful than we ever imagined. Obedience leads to then deeper roots. I start to be able to be a deeper. I can start embracing compassion more, meekness more, humility more. It feeds the roots. And this all comes from allowing forgiveness to grow in our lives. It's an amazing tree amazing thing that needs to grow in our lives. And you may be thinking, all right, that sounds good. Maybe I can work on that. I'll take a while. But right now, I'm just not at that point. So I'm not going to grow anything. I'm just going to keep it still. Keep a barren land in that issue in my life right now. Can I tell you something? If you don't choose to grow forgiveness there, it's not going to remain barren. Something else is going to grow in its place. And it's a tree of condemnation. If you go back, we're not going to take the time today, but if you go back to the verses immediately preceding this, is verses 5 through 11, this is what Paul talks about here. He tells us things to avoid, things to get rid of in your life. And, and just think about this. I'm going to just put them on the screen so you can see them. The tree of condemnation, its roots, and see if you've ever seen these in your life. Irritability, intolerance, pride, entitlement, and animosity. Those are the roots. And then the trunk that's grown up as the trunk of wrath, that you want to see people hurt, you want to see revenge extracted on people, and then it's going to produce fruits in your life as well. And those are fruits of guilt, slander, discrimination, idolatry, and immorality. It's going to move us away from peace. And you cannot, your heart will not remain barren. You will be growing the tree of forgiveness or the tree of of condemnation. You can't say, I'll just stop. But for those of us who are believers, those of us who follow Christ in here, I want you to hear something. A verse that talks about these two trees and the difference. And it's found in Romans 8, 1 through 2, and it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He's saying you have, there is no, you can kill the tree of condemnation. And you can let the tree of being set free and forgiveness flow in your life. The seed is there. The roots can be grown and the fruits can be experienced. So I close with our life principles to live by. Because forgiveness, if we do this, if we grow this in our life, it, it helps us do two things, take two actions, which is this, that we can be set free to step forward. The stones come off. The pebbles come out of the shoe. And we begin to walk in the joy of not in condemnation, but in forgiveness and in truth. We are set free from shame, from suffering, from feeling alone. When we step forward and depending on Christ and desiring more recognition, uh, reconciliation and playing our part to bring redemption to all the world. The way that I remember this, the, the simple thing that I've taught myself and I've taught our kids over the years is this. When I get caught in this and I want to withhold forgiveness, I want to crimp up the hose. I say this, always be ready to give and receive forgiveness. Just always be ready. That means I have to be intentionally, I can't get caught off guard. I have to be thinking about it. I have to be ready. When I feel that desire to crimp down and to stop because I'm unwilling to express or feel unworthy to experience forgiveness, I have to stop and say, no, this will cut off the growth of the tree of forgiveness in my life and begin to grow the tree of condemnation. And the question for you today is this, where are you withholding the forgiveness of God in your life? Is there somewhere, someone that you're unwilling to forgive, that you've been growing the tree of condemnation toward in their life? Or maybe you feel unworthy. You sit here this morning, you go, Patrick, you just don't know. You don't know what I've done. I don't. I don't have to. God knows. And God's already forgiven. He's provided forgiveness. We're not worthy of God's forgiveness. It's given to us whether we're worthy or not. So we can't do anything to lose it. So stop being the bottleneck of the flow of God's forgiveness. Don't partake of the fruits of condemnation for your life, but instead allow the fruits of forgiveness to flow freely in your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?